to the early summer end of our hiatus edition. It's been a while. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Tom. And this is a Three Old Reds Fans podcast coming to you from Tom's house this evening, not too far from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville, the famous birthplace and final resting place of Reds pitching legend Bumpus Jones. Kim's not here tonight. We'll get to that in a minute. But before that, I want to give a big... Three old Reds fans, welcome to all of our new listeners, and a big thanks to Podbean.com for giving us a huge boost. So Podbean is the is the site website we use for publishing our our um, podcasts, and then we put them out through lots of other places that you can find them. But they're the ones there, and so I reached out to them a while back. Oh, probably back in February. And I said, you know, we'd really like, what can you do to help us get in front of more people? So, because on their home pages and on the app and online, they have like uh, featured podcasts and yeah. stuff. And they said, well, we'll put you up there for a week in May. So they did. So when we got put on there, we had 19 followers on the Podbean site. Now we have people listening other places, but just there we had 19 followers. How many do you think we have now? 90. 622. Wow. <laughs> so just by being in front of people's eyes like that, it's really helped. And I don't know if we're still up there or not. Maybe we've earned a way to maybe we've earned our way to stay on there now. I'm not sure, but um, our last episode is now by far the most listened to. We're now in 25 we've now been downloaded in at least according to their analytics, 25 countries. What's our biggest country besides the US? Uh, might be Australia now. Australia. Might well, be Australia. Here we go. United Kingdom's got some, uh, and thirty-seven states, <clears throat> including Alaska and Hawaii. Amazing. A couple downloads apiece. We got some of those upper Midwest states we're missing. Uh, a couple one one of the New England states. I forget which one. Hopefully uh, not Missouri. Connecticut's pretty. We don't good. really want anyone in Missouri to listen. Well, to us. we have Missouri, uh, Louisiana. We don't have yet. It's not like the only southern state we haven't gotten. So anyway, it's going pretty well. So hey, that's great. Yeah, so well, welcome six hundred and some people. Six hundred and twenty-two. I don't know if they'll all listen to this next show, but we can hope. We hope they do. As a subscriber to our podcast, thanks again for being one of the most loyal Reds fans ever. And um, uh, so we'd love more ratings on the uh, the iTunes Apple Podcast app. You, those places you can give ratings and leave reviews, and you can do comments to us on Podbean. Um, also, Twitter. We're uh, at Three Old Reds Fans on Twitter, and we're on Facebook too. You can find you can search Three Old Reds Fans and find us on Facebook. So we did uh, did put out a call late this afternoon. This is Tuesday. The Reds are playing Game One right now of their uh, two game series with the uh, Indians. Where they in about the fourth inning, um, scoreless so far. And um, so I put the call out. So I got like a couple couple questions on Facebook. We got two or three comments. Here on Twitter, and we'll get to those as we go through the show, uh, as those um, topics and stuff become relevant to what we're talking about. So it's been a while since we got to do this because of traveling, right? So um, I went to Africa for a couple weeks and got to see some cool stuff. Yes, you did. <laughs> and there seems to be a trend with this group. <clears throat> yeah, Kim. Kim was Kim's in Africa. Well, he's on his way back now. He was in. Uh, he's probably in route to France right now. He's going to spend a couple of days in Paris on his way back from um, from uh, Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland. I was in Kenya. 
So two of the three old Reds fans went to Africa. Went to Africa. And I feel really left out. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, reminds you of a Toto song, right? I went to Washington, <laughs> D.C. Is that the same? <laughs> yeah. Well, then I got back and I was like, oh, we should do a show. And then you're like, oh, I'll be in Washington all week. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then we'll wait next week. And now Kim's on his way back, but we couldn't wait any longer. We had to get together and do something. But, so. but you know what, Jeff? No matter where we go, <clears throat> we're still... Following the Reds. Yeah, and I was disappointed. I was over and over there. And of course, the Reds are playing like through the middle of the night, late, starting late at night and night when I'm over there. And we were busy every day with the work I was doing over there up early. And so I didn't really – but I could follow uh, where I was staying. We had good Wi-Fi, and I could follow on the app, and I could see – I could look the next morning and see how the game went. I could watch the little highlights on the uh, Reds, you know, on the MLB app. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, now I couldn't watch the games on Fox Sports Go. That oh, they, they it wasn't available to watch on the other side of the world. I could open the app, but I, it wouldn't let me do it. So anyway, hey guys, <coughs> hey, <laughs> yes, you could edit could, all could, of that. No, I can edit it out, or I can leave it in. You can leave it in. <laughs> I'm much better than Kim Jenner anyway. <laughs> I'm definitely leaving that in. <laughs> so anyway, so I ask you, Jeff, when you were in Africa, what did everybody in Kenya think about the situation with the Reds? Uh, and you didn't seem to get much reaction. I didn't get you. much reaction. They, they didn't know what I was talking about. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Yeah, really hard. To Baseball believe. is not really a sport played in that part of the world. So they like their uh, soccer or football. They like their rugby. Um, um, they played. The school we were staying at, they have volleyball and basketball teams and so forth. But, you know, anyway, so we're here. Crucial, I think it's a crucial four weeks leading into the All-Star break. Yeah, it really team. is. So they're eight games back going into tonight. Seven games back in the wild card. They're on this pretty difficult road trip. They started out two and three going through St. Louis and Philadelphia. Now they got these two in Cleveland. Uh, to win these two games in Cleveland would be would be huge for them, I think. And then they, they haven't won a series in quite some time. No, no. They're just sort of that. I think that going into night, they were 8-9 and nine over the last 17 games. So they're sort of like, you know, win a couple, lose a couple. Yeah. Win one, lose one. They just There's no winning streak. Right. Not like the uh, Dayton Dragons right now who were just admired in last place in the Midwest League, and now they've won eight straight, you know. but And they're not – they added a couple guys, but all of a sudden they're playing and winning. You know, and that typically happens for a team. They almost everybody has like a nice winning streak. You over have there. to, but these guys can't get one, save their lives. So. Because they, you know, it's the way we're hitting the ball, of course, that's yeah. the big theme. Yeah, it is. It is. So they come home for they got six at home with Texas and Cleveland. Um, you know, or uh, Texas and Houston, excuse me. And then they go to Milwaukee for three. They go to the Angels for two. And then they get a nine-game homestand going into the break. You know, if they can, if they can have a winning streak on that homestand and get themselves around 500, then we start thinking about, oh, are we, you know, are we maybe buyers at the All Star at the trade deadline, or if this next four weeks doesn't go well, are we going to be sellers again? Yeah, how close do you think we need to be in order to be buyers? Where we're in enough contention, do we have to be within five or six games? 
Probably, and, and you know, and, and are you talking wild card? Are you talking division or yeah. both? But right now it's seven and wait eight in one and seven in the other, so it's going to yeah. probably borderline. It's probably going to be if it's five and one, it's probably going to be six in the other or something like. It. It's probably going to could stay that way, you know. And so that's sort of the thing. And so, um, you know, like uh, so, like I said, we put those calls out and. Um, yeah, what were some of the so, questions so, from our, so Jeff, our massive followers? Now. So a guy named Jeff, he's at Jeff Carr, that's Jeff with three Fs, and he actually hosts a podcast called for a Locked On Reds podcast, and that website I wrote for some last year, but I, I haven't had the time to do it since. And um, his question is, you're the Reds GM, and the Braves just approached you with an offer of a top five prospect in their system for Rysel Iglesias. Do you take it? Why or why not? That's a great question. It's a great question. Now, if they just approached me today, I don't. I'm not taking it today. I, I agree. But later in the year, if if we're a seller, right at the trade deadline, do you trade Rysel Iglesias? I do we, because we, I got a Garrett as a guy that can take his place. Yeah, he's been he's lights been lights out, out. left-handers especially. Yeah. So you, you say that. So then. Another guy, um, another one of our Twitter followers chimed in on that, um, and that's uh, UK at UK Reds MLB, and he he lives in the UK. He says, "I would politely (parentheses because I'm British) <laughs> decline two more years of control and an affordable price for a reliable reliever with the ability to go multiple innings." So, but you have more than that with a mirror. Yeah. Um, I guess it's also that you know what who is that prospect you're off they're offering? Yeah. Is it a you know, pitcher? Is, is it, it right? Is center fielder? Yeah, where's he where's he fit into your lineup in the next year or two at the most? Yeah, you know. So I think in general, I mean, I was on record. I think I don't remember what what your opinion was about it. I think you were probably a similar opinion, but. In the off season, when they were making deals and stuff, and things came up, and should Iglesias be a guy you trade? I, I mean, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if the if you can make your team better, because you got other guys you can turn into a closer, most likely. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd listen for sure. I mean, were you of that? Were you yeah. that bent too? Don't you remember uh, our you? friend John Helmick and I? We were ready to trade everybody. Oh, yeah. for a <laughs> no. But a prospect is different. A prospect is different. A prospect is different than a pitcher. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A, a known quantity pitcher. If you if you're asking me if we trade a a solid starting pitcher for our closer, I'd say in a heartbeat. For somewhere yeah, else in the infield or outfield, eh. yeah. But who's going to do? It? Nobody's going to give I know, you that. I know, I know. So that's like right. You're, you're going to get that that prospect. You know, is it that, or, or do you need a couple guys? You know, I yeah. Know. I don't think you. I don't think you bail on them yet until you see how the season develops because they're they're still possibly in the hunt. Yeah, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. If we start hitting like we did last year, all of a sudden we're in contention. Right. Well, I think so. I think so because the pitching isn't as hot as it was early. Yeah, but we're but third it's still in the national per- league. But it's still pretty good. Excuse me, it's second in the national league in ERA. Yeah. yeah, so we're we're still good. We still have a really good pitching staff. And really, you know, we're Alec, better, we're better than good yeah, at this point. Yeah. We're great. Yeah, and so and Alex Wood is is starting to work out. Right. Uh, good signs and of his his back seems to have good signs. So I mean, it's like 
We're second in the National League in almost every category. Yeah. And the only team above us is the Dodgers, who are like a super team. Yeah, yeah. So we're great pitching-wise. Yeah. So I would say to Jeff that, you know, maybe. Politely. Politely, I would say maybe. <laughs> it's a wait and see. I'm, I'm like, you know, I know we want things to happen and we want to talk about stuff and, and have an opinion now, but, you know, you, you don't – you don't do something till you have to. Yeah. Even when you're coaching a game, you don't really do something till you have to. You know, are, are, you know, am I going to change my defensive alignments? Am I going to change pitchers? Well, I'm going to change them when I have to. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pitch hit when I have to. I'm going to bunt when I have to. Whatever. And so you you just sort of have to do that. So I I would say if if they're completely out of it, I certainly listen to offers. Um, and I, I would not be, and if I thought, yeah, that's a pretty good sounding trade, I'd be okay with it. But yeah, I, especially not, if it was maybe a, a top prospect that was a starting pitcher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, because we traded for some pitching, but we, you know, Roark could be gone next year. You never Wood have could be gone. And you never just have, exactly right, you never have enough. You never have enough. So, um, and I think, I don't know what Kim would say about it, but we'll, if that's you know, as that time approaches and we get, get we get together here again in two or three weeks, I'm sure we'll that'll be a more of a discussion because we'll see what's going to happen over these next couple of weeks leading into that final homestand yeah. for the break, and we'll we'll start to have more and more of an idea. So. A big discussion for us here has to be how long do you wait on these hitters? And I think you have a question well, related yeah. to that. Um, <clears throat> Dalton Spear at Daily Dalton, he says. Well, Puig's offense start catching fire. Seems like he swings at everything, and it it does. It does seems like he swings at a lot of pitches that are not going across the plate. Um, and some of his swings look awful. Will his offense catch fire? I, I mean, if he's going to end up having the kind of year he usually has, yes. He's streaky but, though. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it may I, catch fire for a week or two, yeah. But then he's streaky, so it. Would level off. I don't know. I mean, what what we see tonight is hitting two oh seven. Yeah, it's 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 that. And I mean, all of his numbers are bad. He's he's his slash is his slash line going into tonight is two oh seven, two fifty two, three seventy eight. I mean, his slugging percentage is lower than like what Joey Votto's on base percentage usually is. Yeah. Um, he's hit eleven home. You look at the eleven homers, nine stolen bases, and you would think, okay. I thought he'd hit a few more homers in Cincinnati, but he's still on nine bases, you know, right? So forth. But then when you start looking at the his rate stats, it's just bad. His his WRC plus is sixty. Oh. I mean, that's forty percent worse than the average player in the National League right now. I mean, that's <laughs> that's hideous. I mean, it's not what we expected. Yeah, you know, he's Sorry. he's he's done a lot in the community, gotten involved. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. I don't know if that's distracted him from playing baseball or not. Um, I don't know. You know, I think in the Dodger lineup, he wasn't seen as the as really the key guy in the lineup ever. Right. And he comes here, and it, as, there's a high expectation that he will he he will be like that. You know, he he'll be that cleanup hitter and bat behind Suarez and and so forth. Um, and knock in a lot of runs and hit 260, 280, something like that. Um, hit a lot of home, hit a lot of home runs in the smaller ballpark, and you know it just hasn't happened. I, I 
He's got a negative war right now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. What is it? What is it? Point negative point six. Yeah, I mean it's just terrible. I mean he's not helping them. He's the worst right fielder in the league right now, according to stats. <laughs> you know, I mean he hasn't hurt him on defense. You know that helps you win games, but offensively he is not helping them win games. I mean a couple times, once or twice this year. You know he's had right. a big hit, and that's just not that's not so, enough. You know. You get to the point where what are you what are you going to do? Do you stick with him? Well, you know, Bell what a week ago said we still see him as a center, as as a huge part of our offense. Um, How long do you which, do that? Which this is what you have to say until you bench him. So I don't know. I mean, that's the political thing to say. You're not right. going to go out and dog him in the press. <clears throat> However, you're right. How long? How long? Now you gave him Sunday off. Because if you stick if you stick with people like that hitting two hundred for too long, then it shows that you don't care about winning, right? It can, you know. I mean, and that was supposed to not be where we were this year. Right, we're playing to win this year. Remember, remember the front office saying that. Um, Well, you know, I get it. You got to stick with people in April, in May, but now we're in June. We're in June, you know. And if he's not, if he hasn't. If he certainly, if he hasn't turned it up and showing signs come July, you really got to start thinking. Right. You know, like that was sort of the leash Duvall had last year, and then they traded him. Right. So Puig's a guy that could go at the break, at the, at the trade deadline, excuse me. He's, he's, a guy think? That, he's a guy that could go. I mean, you know, you, you could see... You can see people thinking, oh, it's a, it's a change, change, the change the scenery, come in. Power are, off the bench. That, or, or we got a guy hurt and we need somebody. I mean, look what look what Jay Bruce fell into this week. Right. <clears throat> McCutcheon tears his ACL on a rundown the day after they trade for Jay Bruce to be a bench player for him, and Jay Bruce is National League Player of the Week last week. I know. <laughs> he's he's that, Mr. Streaky. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, he might do this for about two more weeks right. and then not, and not do much. But I mean, you know, I was, I, I, I was never. I don't think I was ever a big fan of trading Jay Bruce, but um, I like that guy, and I thought even even with his streakiness, he he helped them win a lot of games. So, but well, okay. So related to this conversation is another story. We've got a bunch of guys. Hitting between two hundred and two fifty. Yeah, right now. Yeah, the batting average is just one sign, and you, and that's a that's an indicator because when you start looking at some of the other stats, they're not very good either. Well, that's what I was going to say. So let's take it the other way. Which ones do we stick with? Well, here's one thing I looked at. I I looked on Fangraphs and I sorted by WRC plus, which, as we know, is a it, it, it it's a it's a stat. That doesn't assume all hits are equal, right? And it doesn't assume all run production situations are equal, and um, it adjusts for park, you know, ballpark things and so forth. And that WRC plus that 100 number, it's a constantly moving kind of internal number. It's the average for the league at any one time. And who's got the best in the league who's right got now? The best? Well, probably the Dodgers. Yelich, Bellinger, yeah. And Josh Bell from the Pirates. Right. Yeah, those guys are just killing the, they're, they're the MVP candidates right now. Yeah. So those three guys are great. The Reds um, are, as a team, they're like, what, third from the bottom in the league, 81, yep. which is 19% worse than average. 
And the top team was what the Dodgers at one fourteen, I yep. think you said. That's right. So <clears throat> when you look at the Reds, there's only four current Reds. Now Phil Bourbon has a good WRC plus, but he only batted like twenty times. And they sent him back down, but so he did, I'm not really considering him. But of the current Reds, only four current Reds are above average at that stat. So right now the Reds have four position players that are performing above the the National League average as a, in, in that offensive production. Yeah, Suarez is at one, like 114. 114. And then – Or 115. 115. Um, uh, I don't see – No, Dietrich's much higher. Dietrich's like – Winker's one, at 94. Dietrich's like 140-something. Um, Casali is like 112 or something like that. Sinzel's like, uh, Sinzel is 106. So, and then and when you think about it, Suarez is the only guy that's really been an everyday player all season on that list. Dietrich is probably a three-fourths of the time guy. Right. You know, I don't know exactly, but I think that's a pretty good guess. Casali's the backup catcher. And there's a... I mean, you talk about a guy that maybe should be playing on more than the other Makes guy right wonder. now. He's hitting 290. Yeah, I mean, his offensive production has been good. His batting average, everything has been good, and Barnhart's not been good. Although, if you look at the fan graphs, they don't have those guys don't have enough at bats to even play. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I was on like the just the Reds page earlier, and it showed them all. And um, for people and that then, qualified, it's only right. Suarez. It's only Suarez because Sinzel's only played. Right. Almost exactly half the games, right? Maybe yeah. within one or two games of exactly half the games now. So, yeah. So we got one guy who's been playing every day all season who's above average in the National League right now. And that's that's sort of like you can look at a million numbers, but when you look at that, it's like, oh, well, no wonder. Right. <laughs> I, that's all I need to know, you know. So that's it's, a, it's 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 surprising. I mean, if you'd have told us our pitching was what it would be. We'd think, oh, we'll be in first place. Second in the league in pitching? Oh, uh, we we'll, we'll, be, we'll be 10 games over 500. That's right. Now, no. okay, so, so that's why you and I had a discussion earlier about, okay, one or two guys struggle. That happens, right? But for a whole team yeah. to struggle like this, well, what is going on? Is this something systemic? Yeah. Is it something in – we know that Bell brought in more analytics than previously. Coach. So, in this new hitting coach, did he do something in the heads of these guys? To It, it really makes me wonder. Because uh, for this to be a team thing, yeah. this is a team thing. Yeah. Uh, makes me think it's coaching. And I'm, I'm usually one not to not go to coaching. No, I, I agree. I mean, these guys are professionals. They ought to be able to perform at a – even if they're not – they didn't even all have to have their best seasons. Right. If they were all just sort of average. 100. WRC plus 100. Yeah, if they were all pretty average, we'd be, we'd, we'd, we'd be, you'd flip our record. Right. Um, but, but they're not. And it, it could be. I guess it's a question we can't answer. We can, yeah. we can, we can speculate. There hasn't and we even can been any rumors of that or anything, right? No, no one talking about well, it. Well, you or... know. No, and, and of course the people with the team aren't going to talk about it. Yeah. What will, what will, They'll never talk about it, really. What the the proof of what they think will be determined in personnel decisions. Whether it's do they keep the same hitting coach around? Do they do this and that? I mean, so, you hate to say it, but with this performance into June, the first guy to go would be the hitting coach. Well, could be. I mean, that's been done. 
um, that I'm sure they have their own opinions on whether it's his fault or it's just bad luck. You know, I don't know. I'm sure they have their opinions on that. So I, I'm sorry. I just don't see this as a luck thing. No, I don't either. It can't be. It, it, it's just too big of a coincidence. And so I, I got to believe it's some kind of philosophy or approach that they've taken this year uh, that they obviously didn't last year. Yeah. Now, they've obviously missed Scooter Jeanette, who's starting his rehab. But I don't think you can say, well, if Scooter Jeanette was playing. Right. We, everybody'd be hitting. If we had Shebler in the outfield and no Puig, that would have made a difference. No, no, because Shebler was terrible. Right. He's playing in Louisville. I'm just uh, saying about the differences between yeah, last year and this exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah, uh, we wouldn't if we had Billy Hamilton. We wouldn't be any worse. Yeah. You know. Now Sinzel has been much more productive playing Sinzel, center, center field and and leading off. Do you than agree Billy that Hamilton he's a better would. replacement than Billy? Like if Billy was out there, oh yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean he's hitting, he's slashing two seventy three, three thirty three, four sixty, all better than Billy ever did. Right. He's got four homers. He's stolen five bases. Um, his WRC plus is one hundred six, which is better than everyone on the team, but Dietrich Suarez and Casali right now. Right. So I mean he he's uh um he he's performing very well for a rookie. You can't you can't complain. About what he's doing as a rookie. Especially throwing him in center field and leadoff as a rookie. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's adjusted well. Um, I think I saw a ball hit his glove coming in. He he probably should have had one night. But he he doesn't look out of place out there when I've seen him play. He looks like, you know, he he knows what he's doing. Um, I heard him on uh, Jim Day has a podcast. Have you ever listened to that? I listened to one. Really good stuff. Which one did you listen to? Uh, it was one of the first ones with like Marty. No. Well, did you have you heard the Sean Casey one? No. You have that got, would be great. You have to listen, and this is for everybody out there. Jim Day's podcast. He's 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 done Marty Brenneman. He's done. He did two parts with Bronson Arroyo that was good. He's done Brantley. He's done. He did Sinzel, who I just heard. He's done Lorenzen, and he did Sean Casey, and it is a riot. The, I, I, sure I, I won't spoil it for anybody, but Sean Casey told four or five stories that I was I was laughing out loud, and I think Jim Day had tears in his eyes interviewing <laughs> him. I mean, he was laughing so hard, and he had heard some of the stories before. So that one is a must listen to. But anyway, Sinzel. Um, came across as a real down-to-earth guy, if you listen to that. Um, he had some struggles growing up, um, family struggles. He lived two years in England when he wow. was like going into middle school. Huh. Didn't get to play baseball for two years when he was like middle school age. Learned to play rugby and wow. stuff like that, field hockey at a boarding school over there, and then moved back, uh, moved back to Knoxville, which is where he grew up. Uh, and, and played in college. He was going to go to Georgia and play. Uh, then the coach got fired, and so then he ended up back at, at, at UT. But, yeah, he come, comes across as a real down-to-earth kid who really wants to work and really wants to be good. And and, and um, if he seemed – that's one thing about these shows are nice because it's just those two guys sitting around and people open up. They know Jim. Jim's an easy guy to talk to, and I think they're really telling the truth. And so I really – I think Sinzel is going to – I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't know how good. 
I don't, I'm not predicting he's a Hall of Famer or a 10-time All-Star, but I think he's going to be a really good everyday player. Um, and I, he thinks in the, the near future he's, he's in center field for a while. Hmm. He says, I don't, I'm not saying I'm – he said, I'm not saying that uh, I won't play infield ever again. But for now, I really feel for a good while this is where I'm going to well, be. Well, when you look at the Reds, I mean, who would – the only chances if Scooter would go somewhere, right? Yeah. Which yeah. – Well, that's another thing, you know. What's what's Dietrich going to continue to do the rest of this yeah. season? Where's he Because gonna go? if Dietrich continues – and he's slumped a little bit here the last few games. But if he has a good second half of the season – I mean, he and Jeanette are kind of the same guy a little bit. Do you need them both? Do you keep them both? I, I, and they've got Dietrich at least one year of control for him while Scooter's a free agent. Well, frankly, I can see Scooter going and Dietrich staying. You're not going to like this, but if Winker and Preak aren't producing, yeah. you got to put them in one of those spots. Well, you might. You might. You, you might. really have to. You might. You know, I don't know uh, what Winker is going to do long term. You know, I think sometimes the guys don't really break out for a year or two of playing, and he hasn't even played really a full season of Major League Ball. But, you but know. if you want to win right now, yeah, then you got to make decisions like that. I agree. I agree. And I think we're in, I think we're in that stage. We're into June now. I think you have to start making some of those tough decisions. Well, there's certainly if Puig doesn't really get it together, they're not going to re-sign him. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, they'll, you start him the rest of the they'll year? bring up they'll, they'll bring up Taylor Chamel and put him in right field or left field before they do that. That's a great. Um, that's a great point. They'll. I, I would think. I would think that's that's when you start doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> um, so hey, we were going to talk about a trivia question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a trivia question. Let's do that now, and then we'll give the answer at the end. So what? You, okay, you, so you laid this one on me the other day, and I got. Two, I was pretty I good. I was two or three. I was impressed. But I, I couldn't think. The third one, I was like, ah, that sounds a little familiar. But yeah, I, so I, I was enjoying the, the, the uh, Super Regionals for college baseball this week. And and because I'm a northerner, um, I always rooting for the northern teams because there are so few of them. Oh, yeah. And there was only one northern team in the Super Regionals, and that was uh, one of our hated foes. Oh. In life, University of Michigan. Yes. But even though I'm still one that will still root for them. It's baseball. I don't care. <laughs> if it's football, I won't. But baseball, I don't care. <laughs> so anyways, I was rooting for Michigan, and they made it. They made it to the College World Series. Well, who, didn't they upset somebody big in the they previous round? number one seed UCLA. UCLA, yeah, to get there. So they, they won two out of three against them. And that's the first time they've been in the College World Series since 1984. They were actually in the College World Series 83 and 84, okay. both years. And an interesting trivia piece is there's three members of that Michigan team that went to the College World Series in 83 and 84 that also won a championship with the Cincinnati Reds in, and the question, in, in the 1990 World, World Series. Series. So the question would be what three Reds players also played on those Michigan College World Series teams. Okay. And we will do our best to remember to give that answer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We've forgotten that <laughs> stuff in the past. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll type it here on my notes right now so we don't forget. I'll say trivia. Answer. Answer. There we go. And then I won't I won't forget it. So, All right, good, good. Um, so let's see, where are we going next here? We talked about 
this crucial stretch coming up. We talked about Sinzel, talked about Puig, um, looked at the, talked about the overall hitting and just not there. Yep. Um, I think I think we've liked what we've seen at Castillo. Obviously, uh, Sonny Gray has pitched well. He's gotten no run. He's gotten very little run support. Um, Tanner Rark has been Tanner Rark. He's he's what I thought he'd be. Yeah, he's you know he's solid. he's solid. He's not spectacular. He's not, but he's not giving up seven runs in the first two innings either. Um, Molly's been, you know, about what I thought he'd be. He's kind of in his second year. Um, he doesn't have it all figured out yet, but he's not. T- he's okay. And Di Scafani, yeah. ah, if he could quit giving up home runs, you know, yeah, he hasn't been as bad. Is the funny thing is. If Discofani, you look at his numbers, if you'd have put that in the rotation the last couple of years, it'd have been like our ace. But they're not great, but they still need to be better. Mm-hmm. He, he needs to be better. So the question is when Alex Wood, if and when Alex Wood gets healthy, who's, whose spot is he going to take? And it's got to be Discofani or Mally. Right, I mean, one of those two. And, and, and I think he, and, and you know, we've been asked that question, well, whose spot's he going to take? Well, let's see what happens. Where, where are we standing when he's healthy? Competition is a, a very good thing. Where's he gonna be? What's it, what's what's the what's the status of everybody else, and then we can make that decision. So Amir, I think it's I think it's likely to be one of them. Amir Garrett obviously has been lights out, one point six ERA. Yeah, Castillo, two point three. We all know how great he's doing. Iglesias is he's had another solid year. He's a, yeah, he struggled a little early on. But he's still two point seven ERA. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got it together for right a closer. Now. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzen actually has been okay, 3.2. Mm-hmm. And Jared Hughes at 3. I mean, you know, you go down this with these solid stats. Right, right. You know, and the, yeah, have they had nights where they didn't, where they gave up some runs out of the bullpen? Of course, it happens. Yeah, right. Have they blown a couple games? Yes. It's the offense. Right. I mean, pitching is going to cost you now and then. But the offense is costing us so many nights. It's Frankly, like, the. It's like tonight we got this game on and. Castillo's giving up a home run to Santana. They're down one to nothing, and you're starting, and they're on the road with Bauer pitching, and you're thinking, "Golly, that might be enough to beat us tonight." I, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. You're, you're thinking, "Oh, we can get a, oh, we're it's oh, one to nothing." Oh, better not let this other run in. Yeah, or we're no, in trouble. We let another, exactly. You kind of you think that. So that's what was surprising about Sunday, where they got down three to one and came back to win. You know, they had an inning, pieced together some stuff, and all of a sudden they, they win a game. Yeah, they got, and the I got those two clutch really hits. So. Yeah, the clutch hits, and then the bullpen was really good. Joey seems to be hitting much. better lately. Joey is, you know. He hit a home run the other day. Still not hitting the power that he used to, but, you know, maybe he's, I don't know, batting second. Maybe his approach is a little different, but he is hitting the ball harder, and he's had some, he's had some balls find some holes lately, which has to happen to be hot. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign. What's he up in the two fifties, two sixties now? Yeah, I haven't looked, like, but I something think like he is, that. Yeah. So that's you know that's he's he's coming along. So, um, <clears throat> so let's look at on Facebook. Uh, Michael Cooper asks, at what point do you start selling pieces? Uh, what do you do with Puig, Iglesias, Dietrich, etc.? And we've talked about that some. And I think um, again, at what point? I think the next. I think once you hit the All Star break, you know whether you're a buyer. Yeah, you got to get through the All Star break. You got to get there, and you know. And we may. I mean, next two weeks go really bad. We might know sooner, but I think at that point you really kind of know. So we because the trade deadline only comes. The trade deadline is like three weeks after that. So we talked about this last year. How 
in the last maybe five years, the Reds have had a stretch where they've just fallen apart. That's happened every year, yeah. and it seems to be in that June, yeah, well, June they, or July. They had it the first nine games as well. Well, that's true. Which is they haven't been able to completely overcome by mm. any means. But you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. That could happen. That's why I'm like kind of crossing fingers and toes and although, everything else. Although pitching is like is like defense in basketball. It shows up every day, yeah. and so you avoid some of those, you know. Terrible spots with yeah, that. I think so. I think so because they're going to get they're going to win some two to one games, you know. Right. And 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 they might win two to one tonight, you know. I mean, you know, Castillo and might go six or seven and turn it over and bullpen's bullpen good. Bullpen does what they're somebody and uh, Dietrich hits a two run homer or something and we win the game. You know that yep. can happen. So I think I think you know I think that sort of answers that question. Um, I think Dietrich is not a guy that gets traded. Depending on what Scooter does, depending on what Scooter looks like when he comes back, because like I said, I can see Scooter going, letting him go, and keeping Dietrich around. He's such a valuable utility player. He plays everywhere. Plays so many positions. How valuable is that? That's why I like probably Van Meter's the guy that goes down when um, Scooter comes back because all the other guys are more versatile than he is. You know, he's just an outfielder. Farmer can play multiple positions. Dietrich can play multiple positions. That's exactly why. So, yeah. another guy, another friend of mine, uh, Mike Routson, says, if Jeanette comes back, does he start at second? If so, who do you sit and Dietrich should play every day and where? So, I say he absolutely plays. Back to your how long do you wait on Puig. That's right. Corner outfield fielders. And Winker. Because Winker hasn't shown us what we thought he was going to show us either. So, he had a stretch early where he hit a bunch of home runs, but he's not mm-hmm. been consistent. So, I think – I think Jeanette gets in the lineup, plays just about every day, and um, maybe unless unless Puig and Winker get hot, I think you're going to see Dietrich playing both of those. Yeah, and giving Joey a day off at first. Yep. You know, Farmer's probably going to play less. Um, Giving Joey a day off at first, Scooter probably probably three or four games, take a day off early on. You know, as he's and getting you know, back into it, Scooter's so. a little bit fiery. Oh, I think and, he's. And maybe I think he they helps miss us him. with that. I know? think. I think they miss him. Yeah, I, th- I think they miss him. Clubhouse dugout. I think. I think they do. I don't think there's any question about it. He's sort of the funniest, craziest guy on the team, and I think. I think they do miss that. There's. There's no doubt about that. So, well, thanks, Michael and Mike, for you know reaching out to us there, giving us some questions. We appreciate that. Um, let's see else here I have on Twitter. Um, we had the question about trading Iglesias. That comment. Um, not somebody else replied. Um, K, K-Balls, K-B-A-L-L-Z 78, KB, replied to the question about um, the possible Iglesias trade. You know, would you trade him? for a top five prospect from the Braves, and he says, top three, jump on it. So he says, if it's a top three guy, do it. He says, below that, it would take to him it would take two top ten guys, which I don't think anybody's part with two top ten players yeah. for a closer. That's a little unrealistic. That's a little unrealistic, but, you know, so you push. I think, you know, you certainly ask for that, and in the end you got to decide, well, is top five good enough? So, right. so that's, you know, that's somebody – he obviously values Iglesias and thinks – we all, we tend to think of our 
players is worth more than they really are on the market. So we'll see. Um, and then we had the question about from Dalton about Puig's offense. Um, and so that's I think we've covered all the, all the questions. So thanks to everybody for for giving us some stuff, extra things to talk about, add in the fill in some of the cracks there. What we were what we were talking about. Um, we appreciate that. So, um, you know, we got away from doing this last year some. So our, when we started doing our uh, throwback, we, we used to do our throwback player. So I, I kind of a, I've got one here with a bit of a kind of a twist on it. So we are approaching uh, trade deadline will be here in a few weeks. And probably the next two or three weeks, we're really going to talk about it. It's really going to heat up, right? So I thought, <clears throat> you know, who's an old player the Reds got? Oh, what about that trade in 71, the huge trade with the Astros? Yeah. So I thought we'd start with one guy tonight and just and then over the next few shows talk about everybody that was in that trade. Well, that's cool. Because the Reds picked up – Reds got five players in that trade, you know. So on November 29, 1971, what, maybe the as good a trade as the Reds ever made. I mean, I'm sure there's some others you could argue about. Um, but as far as the guys that brought in, um, four of these five guys played on both those World Series champions in 75 and 76. So they got Cesar Geronimo, Ed Armbrister, Jack Billingham, Dennis Minkie, and Joe Morgan. And they traded Tommy Helms, Lee May, and Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart was – he was kind of a throw-in utility guy. But Helms and May were starters. Yeah. And they were popular guys, right, and, and so forth. So that was that was an interesting thing. So I thought, let's look at Geronimo tonight, see what he brought to the team. Uh, we know he played great defense. And speaking of the Jim Day podcast, he did one with Joe Morgan that I listened to. I was working outside all day today. I caught up, listened to like five of them. I was working outside all day today. <laughs> Gave me something to listen to. And, um, um, and, and he said one thing. He, well, he, first he said it about Griffey, Ken Griffey Sr., and then he said about Geronimo, too. He says, those guys, they did – they, and, of course, Griffey was the better hitter of the two. But he said, they did so many things to help you win games. You know, the stuff that doesn't show up in all the analytics and stuff that everybody is fo- tends to be focused on anymore. But he said, you know, those guys, they never missed a cutoff, man. He says, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't remember Ken Griffey ever missing a cutoff guy. He says, I don't think Geronimo ever did either. I mean – that's crazy because you watch Major League Baseball today. They miss nobody them. hits a cutoff. No, no, they miss them all the time. And I watched a lot of single A. Such a fundamental. I thing. watched a lot of single A ball in Dayton too, and they, you know, you see it there too. Obviously, coaches don't care if they do or not. I, I, it's it's not the ticket to the big leagues, and so it happens. But so, so things like that, you know, and so then I'm like, okay, we know you remember what he hit in set in 1976. Which was probably the, which was the probably you know Morgan says that's, that's he says I played on both teams the '76 team was better because all those guys like Geronimo Concepcion Griffey Foster were all a year older you know a little more mature so he says we were better Morgan than won, MV, won MVP both, both, both years. years yeah 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 both years and um, he says some things about '77 that are interesting about the Perez trade and everything so that, it's worth a listen as well. But um, Geronimo in 76 batted 307. I mean, wow. he's, a, he's like a 258 or something career hitter. 250s. He's 307 that year. Do you remember? Hitting eighth in the lineup. Hitting eighth in the lineup. 
did you remember? Here's something I didn't remember, and Joe mentioned it on that on that podcast. Joe, because you guys know each other. Well, on yes, first I've, basis. I've I've had some interaction with Joe as well. Yes, not he doesn't know me by name, but but uh, but you call him Joe. But I call him Joe exactly. You call him and Joe there was a pre, there was a show last year. I don't remember what episode, but we talked about that. So uh, it might it probably shows up in the, if you read the descriptions of the episodes, you probably figured out. I think I mentioned it there. But anyway. In a 75 series, did you know that Cesar Geronimo hit two home runs in that series? Really? Yeah, and he had like, I don't know, like 50-some in his whole career. He hit two home runs in that series. So in game three, so the series was tied 1-1. Reds won game three, 6-5, to five, take a 2-1 series lead. In the fifth inning off Rick Wise, remember that guy? Yep. Concepcion and Geronimo hit back-to-back home runs to lead off a fifth to get a four-to-one lead. I mean, that's how good these guys were. Those two guys, not known as home run hitters, hit back-to-back home runs off a one of the Red Sox best, you know, one of their top three guys yeah. was him and Teon and, and seven-eight uh, hitter. Yeah, yeah, and then seven-eight hitters do that. So, so that was interesting. So. And then in now the other one didn't help him win a game. He hit the other one in Game Six, um, and we all know right. that the Red Sox won that. But <laughs> he so um, um, he hit. Um, let me see my notes here. Game Six. Oh, also in Game Five. Let me back up a second. You know, excuse me. Game Three. So he hits the home run to give him a four to one lead. Um, Geronimo, that game went to ten, went ten innings as well. There were, I think, the two extra inning games in that series game, game three, game six, and um, Morgan. Of course, I remember Morgan had to he he knocked in the eventual the winning run in game seven. He also had, he had a walk off single uh, in game three in the tenth. Uh, he singled off Roger Moret. And Geronimo was the guy that scored. Geronimo mm-hmm. led off the tenth with a single. Uh, bases ended up getting loaded. I think somebody else got on somehow, and then I think they had an intentional walk, and and Morgan singles in Geronimo to win the game. Mm-hmm. So he was very involved in the game three victory. You don't win that game without him. Um, game six, he leads off the eight against Louis Tiant, who's still in the game. Trailing five to three because they did that. Because they did that back then. <laughs> Louis Tiant wouldn't be anywhere near the mound in today's game. <laughs> so he homers to lead off the top of the eighth. It's six to three. Now I don't remember it all that well because I was nine years old, and you know what were you? Yeah, yeah, just a little younger. So I remember it, but I don't remember all those details. So I looked it up today. So. And of course, I'm sure we were thinking we're going to the bottom of the eighth. We're up six to three with our bullpen. Right, Clay Carroll comes in or, or Raleigh Eastwick, McEnany. Yeah, I need yeah. Borbone, any of those guys. We're going yeah. to shut them down the eighth and the ninth. Somebody's going to pitch the eighth. McEnany's probably going to pitch the ninth. All right. Well, Bernie Carbo hits a three-run homer in the right. bottom of the eighth. <laughs> I mean, ties it up, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, Fisk hits his home run in the twelfth for the seven-six. Lead for the seven six victory, and um, so if you think about it, if if Geronimo doesn't hit that home run in the sixth or in the eighth, 
Bernie Carbo wins that game, there's no Carlton Fisk home run. That's true. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, that's how it works. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's no Carlton Fisk home run if Cesar Drama doesn't hit a home run in the eighth inning. So, yeah, I mean, we've heard a lot of stories of teams with great players, but they don't mesh, right? They yeah. don't play their roles. And oh, the team doesn't did. get together. Um, I think that was probably what Joe was saying is, is these guys that weren't the Hall of Famers still played great roles on that team. Yes, they did. They did. That's cool. And the pitching, and I've always said the pitching gets is very underrated on that team. You you look at where they stood in the league. They were they were they were top three. They were fourth in the league in this, third in the league in that as a staff. It was like you know they didn't have four guys win twenty games, twenty five games. They had ten guys win ten games. Right, sort of that type of thing, you know. And I think Joe said that and that something like that on that when I was listening to that today. So that's what they were. And he always said he said I always felt feel bad for those guys because it's like. You know, and it makes sense because, I mean, you had a Hall of Fame lineup. Yeah, but there's no Hall of Fame pitchers. But there's no Hall of Fame pitchers. But you had Hall, of, so that's why they overshadowed them. But he said they did not get what they deserve, the 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 due that they deserve. So, anyway, so interesting, fun to look back. Yeah, it is seventy five series, and we'll we'll look at on the next show. The next guy listed on the. Sorry, that's okay. So on the next show, we'll look back at the next guy listed in the trade, Ed Armbrister. And we know what we're going to talk about with him. Ed Armbrister was very key in a game in the World Series. <laughs> and you know, Geronimo was involved. It was all, yeah, those guys were all involved in that. Um, you know, and so that was, so we'll look back at that. And then we'll, then we'll talk about the other guys too as, as we get to them. So I think well, that's you know, speaking kind of, of trades in 1971, is. George Foster also came over in 1971. Was he in that? Was that was that the same year? Yeah, May 1970. I was just looking. Yeah, he came over from the Giants. So talk about two key trades for people. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, Sparky, Sparky uh, figured out you know they because how to get Foster in the lineup when he asked Pete to go to third because Dreesen played. Mankey came in in that deal and played third base for most a couple years, but he wasn't that good. And then Dreesen played it for a year, but Foster still needed to get in the lineup, so that's when Pete moved to third. Moved to third, and Dreesen became a bench guy, and Foster Foster started to turn it on, and um, and so you know, um, yeah, the the the, uh, the GMs and all those type of people brought people in, but. Sparky made decisions. It was Pete, it was his decision to put Pete at third to get George in the lineup. So Sparky deserves a lot of credit for he does as far as forming and building that and team identifying well. how good Foster was, right? And knowing mm-hmm. and knowing where how he needed to bat guys and and so forth. You know the batting orders and handle the way he handled the pitching staff. And Rose deserves a lot of credit for being able to pick up third base. Oh, I mean, yeah. come on, yeah he. Was he, he wasn't a was, great Was athlete. he Brooks Robinson? Was he Nolan Arenado at third base? No. Enough to win a World Series. But he was good enough. And he, he you know, he's a ball player. He was going to play it. He was going to play it And well. he wasn't a great athlete. So he did it. Just He had to bust his butt yeah. to learn third base. Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Okay. Uh, episode 40. Uniforms. Ah, 40. 34 players have worn number 40 in Red's history. 
Uh, I can't. I didn't really. I didn't. Uh, most of, a lot of the names I don't recognize. I did don't not be pitchers. Yeah, I did not look down through to. I didn't see anybody who I knew for sure wasn't a pitcher. But I got four names here. The most recent was in 2017-18, and that was Austin Bryce, um, relief pitcher. Um, three other names through the 70s and 80s uh, into, into 91. Uh, three other pitchers that most anybody would recognize. There were a few other somewhat recognizable names on the list, but I thought these were the three most. Um, you got any ideas? I have no idea. No idea. Okay, from 88 to 91, Jack Armstrong. Huh. And, you know, in 90. Old he, American boy. Yeah, in 90, he starts the All-Star game. Right. He's, he's great the first half. Uh, wasn't so good the second half. I'm not sure he even pitched in the World Never Series. Never again. No, he just, that was it. Um, a reliever from 1978 to 81 who has coached, done some coaching. At, did he do some, he, well, he was the Dragons pitching coach at one time. Still lives around Cincinnati area, I think. Uh, blonde, real blonde relief pitcher, Doug Bear. Oh, yeah. From 78 to 81. He was 40, huh? Yeah. And then uh, a starting pitcher on the 76 team. He played two seasons with the Reds, and they traded him. A starting pitcher in 1976? Yeah. Rookie of the year in the National League. Freddie Norman. No, he's he was much older than that. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Pat. Pat Zachary. Pat Zachary. Uh, he was number forty. He was rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, he was rookie of the year in National League, and then a couple years with the Reds, and then you know they started change. They start, started making all those trades. They traded Perez, and that that was the downfall of the big red machine. And but they traded Zachary as well. They traded Zachary in that Doug Flynn. Yeah. For Tom Seaver deal. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. That was the Seaver deal. So you can argue with getting Seaver, right? But the, the the Perez trade was the the one that everybody looks back on and complains about and wonders if that cost them a chance at a three straight. So um, okay, so I think I've covered everything I got on my list. You got anything else besides our trivia answer? No, yeah. You want trivia answer? Trivia answer. I'm sure everybody could not turn off this podcast until well, I gave this and answer. I'm sure there's one everybody knew. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming everybody knows the former University of Michigan shortstop that played for the Reds, of course, Mr. Barry Larkin. Yes, a Hall of Famer. Who, by the way, the year before he went to the University of Michigan in 1983 to play in the College World Series, got a base hit off of me in the playoffs <laughs> of the high school. Really? Yeah. So you were... 1982. 1982. I was a sophomore you, in high school. He played Molar. And he got a hit off of it. Pretty you. sure it was second round of the tournament. Second round. So it was interesting. It was, it was actually double to the opposite field, to be exact. So you had, we had a little uh, deja vu time warp the last week because I covered a regional final uh, for Daily News. I went down, played at UC to cover Springboro, which is a Dayton area team, playing Cincinnati Turpin, Turpin Spartans. Spartans. My alma mater. That's right. Playing in their first ever regional final. Certainly not while I was in high school. <laughs> well, you couldn't get past Moeller. And, and the coach was? Don Gullett Jr. How about that? that yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty. I didn't get to talk to him, but Springboro beat him like 10-3. to 3, And I saw like a weird thing I'd never seen before in a baseball game. And I, it's, it feels like the last couple of years, the Dragons games and any games I go to, I see something like... I've never seen that before. 
It's like every third game that happens. So <laughs> at this game, um, kid for Springboro hits one over the fence to put him up. We thought five to nothing. He scores. It's five to nothing. They celebrate. Three run homer. Well, upon appeal, he was out because they said he missed home plate. The umpire said he missed home plate. So he suddenly had a two run triple, four to two. So anyway, I know I'm tangent getting on a tangent here, but thought it was interesting because I texted. Wow. I, t- I texted you the pictures from the. I was standing down by the dugout taking pictures of the game, and I shot with my phone. And there's in the turp, and you're like, what? Say. The uniforms have not changed. It looks exactly <laughs> the same. The same tee on the hat, the same Spartan on the breast. I'm like, you're kidding me? Redesign the uni. So. All right, so back to the trivia back question. Trivia. So, Barry so, of Larkin. course, Barry Larkin, which yeah. I think most people kind of remember he was with Michigan. Yeah. So, University of Michigan's first baseman was a gentleman by the name of Hal Morris, mm-hmm. which um, I, I faintly remember that he was a Michigan guy. The one I didn't know was the University of Michigan's third baseman was a Mr. Chris Sabo. Yes, yeah. And so Larkin and Sabo are the two that I was pretty sure of. And I, I knew Larkin, I was pretty sure of Sabo. I didn't know about Sabo. But I didn't, I, Morris escaped me. I, Crazy. I, yeah. So, and those were, I mean, they weren't just like three guys on the team. They were three regulars. Key guys, right? yeah. Yeah, pretty regular. I mean, uh, no. first base was, I mean, Benzinger played a lot of first base too on that team. But um, No wonder... Uh, Michigan was in the College World Series. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of talent. They yeah. had a lot of talent. So, so it's um, kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, very good. So, well, happy trails to Kim. Gets back soon, and we can get him on the next show. And um, um, and we hope the month of June is going to be really kind to our red legs here. Yes, we do. June and we get these bats hot. Of, first part of July. Yeah, it'd be nice. You know, it warms up, and it could happen in a couple weeks. It really could. It could. It could. I mean, they had, what, like, a, not this past week, but maybe the week before, it was like it was waking up, it felt like. They scored a lot of runs. But then it sort of, eh, yeah, yeah, just sort of. They need, like, of, an 8 out yeah. of 10 streak, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they can't get that big winning streak, so. But there's always, there's always the future. That's right. And it could happen. Hope springs eternal. And we're not we're not giving up on these guys. Um, they're, we, we're disappointed with the record. Um, not disappointed in the pitching. Not really disappointed in the effort. Just man, we got to get some guys producing, hitting the hitting ball, hitting the ball, and we also got to hope that we have a manager who um, will have the guts to make some tough decisions yeah. if he has to make them. And the front office that yeah. lets him do it. Right? Yeah, yeah, it lets him. Let's him put the lineup on the field he thinks is going to win, um, and not be afraid to bench somebody if he has to. Because uh, somebody's playing even time. a Puig. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm all for giving the guy maybe the next couple of weeks still, but until Jeanette gets back. But when Jeanette gets back, things get more crowded, as we said. And I, that's when you gotta, you know, you gotta make those decisions. I if think he's we're not on the it. end of our, our giving people a chance. Yeah, time yeah, period. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do, too. I think right now it's like, well, who else is going to do it? Because nobody else is hitting either, so right. you might as well play Puig. But when Jeanette comes back, if he's hitting, and you're going to, you know, you Jeanette's going to play, weeks. you're going to give him some time to work it out, get yeah. going. But hopefully he'll be hot, and then they make some tough decisions. So, But hopefully Puig makes it easy and starts hitting, and, okay, we're going to keep you in right field because now you're 
You're hitting them. You're being Yasiel Puig. If he's hitting 250 and has you know 15, 20 home runs, we're by happy. then. Yeah, if he's raised that average up, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, Kim likes 270, but yeah. I'll take 250. If he hits, if he can hit 270 the rest of the season, yeah. I don't care if he gets it to 270. If he can just hit 270 the rest of the season, then he's gonna. The Reds are going to be a much better team. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Because if he does that, his power numbers will be up. His slugging will be up. His on base will be up. Um, everything will be better if he starts hitting. So, yeah. all right. Well, we've gone on long enough. So we look forward to getting all three of us back together next time. And uh, so now for the exciting finish. Go, Go Reds. Reds.